Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. You see, today is Easter Friday. It's not just another day in the calendar. It's not just another holiday. It is a day that the world has changed. And changed for the better. You see, it's a day where two worlds, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, were connected by one man, the act of one man, by building a bridge for sinners all the way to relationship with the Father. You see, the world of sin, death, judgment were nullified by one selfless act of Jesus, our Creator, our God. And today we celebrate this greatest moment in history, the greatest moment that man will ever know. And some doesn't know yet. I want to read a portion this morning, and we're not going to be long today, but I want to, I'm trusting God to deposit something in your hearts today. That we will know the true power of the cross and that God will cement that in again into our hearts. Let's read a portion of this, of this amazing story. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers were, wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, And they put a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked, as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe, and Pilate said, Look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and the temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! So they took Jesus away, carrying him carrying the cross by himself. He went to the place called the place of the skull, and in Hebrew it's Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided the clothes among, them, among the four of them, And they also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's let's throw dice for it. And this fulfilled the scriptures that said, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Jesus knew that that his mission now was finished. And to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to to his lips. When Jesus tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Isn't that a great piece of scripture? One of the greatest stories ever told, and and it's a true story. We all know it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here today. I want to look at the last scripture of this piece. And it's John 19, verse 30. And I'm reading from NLT. It said, when Jesus tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. See, one of the most powerful sentences and declarations of the Bible. And I want to take three words out of this phrase. I want to reflect today on that, on what Jesus has done for us on the cross. You see, so many of us go through this weekend, long weekend, the holiday, but do we really know and take ourselves back to reflect on the true worth 
of Easter. You see, Jesus tasted, he said, and he gave. Three most incredible things, three very significant things that he did for us. You see, he drank the cup. Then he made a powerful declaration. And then he gave the greatest gift that has, that has ever been given. Now, firstly, he drank the cup. Now, last week, we started with a series. And if you, if you haven't been here last week, you can go to our, our website and, and listen to the sermon. But we, we started a sermon series for Easter called The Bridge. The Bridge. And, and we looked at the price that Jesus paid and the significance that Jesus gave for us to come into relationship with Jesus. You see, before the, the night before the crucifixion, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you remember, he, 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 actually the scripture says he was sorrowful to the point of death. And he prayed this amazing prayer. He said, he went a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Now the incredible thing is, Jesus knew that he had to suffer for all humanity so that we do not have to suffer and that we could be free. But he used the metaphor, metaphor of drinking from a cup. It was a cup of suffering that he knew he had to drink from. A cup of torture. A cup of carrying the sins of the world. Remember last week we said that that wasn't just Jesus scared of the next day and of the crucifixion of dying, but God was literally busy putting the sorrows, the brokenness, the grief of the world upon his shoulders. It was literally coming on him at that moment, and that was why he was so grieved in the garden. He fell to his face, and he prayed. But when he was praying, and it caught me, that he spoke about a cup that he had to drink from. Now, when we look at the cross and we came to the cross and the story of the cross, there was actually two moments where Jesus was offered a cup to drink from. After he prayed the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. The first instance is not in John that we just read, but it's in, in the Gospel of Mark and in the Gospel of Luke. And let's quickly look at it. In Mark, before Jesus got to the cross, before they nailed him to the cross, this happened. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. How many of you know that, I always thought, why didn't Jesus take this? Maybe because he was holy, maybe. But did you know that the, the Roman executions was very brutal? We all know it. If you watch the Passion of the Christ, I think we have a, a degree of the cruelty. But what they do, did is they actually mixed wine, sour wine. Sour wine was the drink for the officers and the soldiers on the field. But what they did is they mixed it with myrrh. Some um, translations called it gel. And, and they didn't know exactly what they put in it, but um, the better translation of the scriptures and the commentaries that you read, they used myrrh and they mixed it with the wine and it had an intoxicating effect. It drugged them. And it drugged them for the, f for the simple purpose to dull the senses of the person and dull the pain. So why did Jesus not take this? Jesus refused to drink this because he needed his full senses to endure the complete extent of what he was about to pay for us. 
See, he came and he said, I want everything. I want to make sure that I pay this full price, that I'm not just taking some of it, I'm taking everything. Then the second time Jesus was offered sour wine, not sour wine with myrrh, and it was not mixed with anything, but he was simply given to quench his thirst just before he said, it is finished. See, that was a prophetic sign of what Jesus just prayed the night before. Lord, take this cup from me. But if it's your will, I will take it. And he took that cup right before he blew out his last breath as a prophetic sign that says, it is finished. Jesus endured every inch of suffering for us on the cross to make sure that they will be that, that we will be free from sin and judgment forever. You see, Jesus didn't pay the penalty. He overpaid the penalty. It's like if I owed you a debt, say a thousand rand debt, I owe Kieran a debt, and I come to him and said, Kieran, I just want to pay my debt. Here is one million rand. I just want to overpay my debt so that I want to make sure that that debt will ever come back to me or you. You see, Jesus overpaid to such an extent that into eternity, everybody will look at Jesus and say, oh yeah, no debt. Overpaid. It is finished. Then the second word Jesus said, this, he made a powerful declaration. One of the most powerful declarations that the world has ever heard. One of the pow- most powerful declarations in the Bible. Jesus said, it is finished. It is is finished. The word it is, it is finished is an English translation from the Greek, and the Greek word we all know is tetelestai. Tetelestai. It was a Greek word that was translated to English, which means it is finished. Now, tetelestai means the following. I think I've got it on there. It says, to bring to an end, to complete, to accomplish. There's no more that I need to do. It is done. But there's more to this verb than just tetelestai. Just to be a verb in itself, there is so much more. In the Greek, they call it a perfect tense. We know past tense, we know present tense, but I've never heard of a perfect tense. In Greek, they actually has that, have that. They call it a perfect tense. See, perfect tense speaks of an action which has been completed in the past, but with results continuing into the present, Different than the past or present tense. See, the perfect tense says, this happened and it, will, it still has an effect today. That's perfect tense. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, he meant, he meant it was finished in the past and it is still finished in the present and it will remain finished in the future. It is done. No matter what you do in your life, no matter the sin you think, no matter the mistakes you make, no matter what you think of yourself, Jesus still finished the price that he paid so that you can be free, so that you can have an identity, so that you can have a relationship with the Father. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to perform anything. We have no law anymore, but just grace that says, I'm here to empower you with the grace that God has given and Jesus has given on the cross. On the other fact that you see, Jesus didn't say that I am finished. He didn't say I am finished. Because if he said I am finished, he would, he would, it would mean that he, would so, he was so exhausted and so spent that he was done. He couldn't take it anymore. No, no. He said, it is finished. 
He said, it is finished, meaning it was, there was a successful, completed work that I came to do. I've done. I've done it. You see, this was Jesus' final cry to victory. When he died, there was no unfinished business. Nothing. Nothing. And that is what grace says. Grace says, I can do nothing more. We can do nothing more to get closer to God. The law said that. The law said you have to do all these things to be saved, to be forgiven, to be this, to be... But the grace said, I'm cancelling all those things. Jesus paid the penalty, everything. And he said, now you don't have to do anything but believe and love me and step into salvation. And when you're there, then it means the grace is there for you. It is done. You see, grace says, all is done. Just believe and live accordingly. And then the third one, the third one is he gave the greatest gift that has ever been given. The scripture says that then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Notice that Jesus gave up his spirit. They didn't take it. He gave it up. No one took his life, but he gave it in love as a payment for our sin. An overpayment for our sin. The Romans could spit on him, hit him with sticks, threw him, beat him to, almost to death, nail him to a cross, shouted him, and they could still not take his life. He gave it. He gave everything. You see, we as Christians cannot take Christianity lightly for what Jesus has done on a cross. Had a crown of thorns on his head. They hit him with sticks and let the thorns stick into the skull of his head. I mean, I can, we can go brutally into this. This was not a, a perfect picture. But this was an absolute moment of passion and love for someone else. And the someone else is us. Is humanity. It's all creation. I want to remind you of last week's sermon where we look at the problem that humanity had. I, I forgot to put the sketch on there. But humanity was standing on this one edge and God was on the other edge. And because of sin, there was a separation between us and God. But we wanted relationship. We were created for relationship with God, but we couldn't get close to Him Because of what Adam and Eve did, there was a separation because of sin. There was sin, there was judgment, there was death. There was no way that human humanity or any human being could come close to God in relationship until Jesus built a bridge through the cross as a perfect lamb that was slain. See, the bridge was a gift that would last into eternity. That breach that he built that says, no one else can do this, but I'm giving you this as an eternal gift to walk over to the Father and stand in relationship with the Father that says, Father, I am messed up. I am full of sin. There is darkness in my life, but when I look in your eyes, I can see forgiveness. There's a blood of Christ that has cleaned me, has cleansed me. See, but it, it wasn't just a breach of relationship. 
but it was also a bridge of substitution. And this is very important. It's a bridge of substitution where Jesus came and he, he exchanged his righteousness for our sin. So everybody do this. I just want to do a quick illustration. Say if you had sin in your, in your hand, because we're all born with sin. And Jesus came and he took that sin out of your hand and he placed a crown of righteousness over your head. And he says that today I'm substituting that sin in your hand for a crown of righteousness. Look what the scripture says. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. What does righteousness mean? You are in right standing with the Father. You are a son of God. There is no sin that can take you from that position. Only you yourself can take yourself off that position by believing the wrong thing. See, the only way for Jesus to build this bridge and to save us and to bring us into a relationship with the Father, He had to substitute His righteousness as King, as God, for our sin on this cross. And a great thing was, was in this, in this was an, it was an act, absolute act of love. Come on, husbands, men, have you ever done an act of love for your wife? Times it by a hundred trillion, million, whatever biggest figure there is. And it doesn't even come close to the act of love that Jesus has done for us. See, he endured the pain of the cross because he loved us. And the price he paid was a costly price. And therefore we can't take Christianity lightly. We can't take... Reading our Bibles like we, we can't do it. We're not making it a law. We're making it grace out of grace. But we say, Lord, you've paid everything. You have given everything. I can't take this lightly. So how do we respond today? How do we respond to something incredible like that? If you think about it, if you listen to me, how do I as a Christian, as a believer, respond to a day like this and to a message like this? And not just respond today. How do I respond every day? I will show you how we do as we come to the table. And we've set a table here for you today, for us today. And this is a, called a table of remembrance. Not just a table. It's a table of remembrance. And we're going to do communion today. Where we... We, we do communion together in remembrance of this. Three incredible things. He drank from a cup. He made a declaration and he gave a gift. Can I, can I ask some Daniel, can you go and get the kids? We want to get the kids to have communion. Oh, oh, are you sending? She doesn't have a phone, but don't, thank you, Don. Oh. <laughs> so today we're going to come to the table. And as families together, we're going to have communion. Listen to the scripture. And I'm almost ending with this. It says, And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, the cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, this is amazing to see how intentional God was. Can I pull this together for you? How intentional God was. You see, Jesus drank a sip of wine on the cross, saying it was finished. And with that sip of wine, he declared victory. It is finished. And then he gave his spirit as a gift that says, my body was broken. Today we take the wine or the, the fruit juice. And it is a sign of the new covenant. What is the new covenant? It is a covenant of grace. That says that Jesus has done everything. So that we don't have to. We're receiving something we didn't earn. We gave it as a, we, we received it as a free gift. Then we take the bread. And the bread is a sign of his broken body as a gift. It's a sign of his broken body as a gift. And then we take the word of God today and we declare victory and life. Come in, guys. We declare victory and life. You see the three words that Jesus said? He tasted, he said, and he gave. What do we do today with communion? Look how intentional Jesus was and God was. He says, use this in remembrance to me. I want you to use the cup that I have taken for suffering, for all the pain. I want you to use this cup as a sign of my blood for you, where the grace of God has been freed for you. Then I want you to break the bread as they have broken my body. And what I've given to them, they haven't broken it, I've given it to them. And then while you do this, do this in remembrance, but don't just do this, speak life and speak victory over your life. There's so much power in this table. There's so much power in this bread when Jesus took it and he broke it. And it's always great when you do communion and you break the bread with the remembrance said, Lord, when they broke your body, they broke it. But they didn't break it. You gave it as a gift. You let them break it for us. And when I take the cup, I said, Father, thank you for your grace. The grace that I didn't pay for. The blood that cleansed me, cleansed me from everything. So this morning, I want to invite you to the table. And I want to invite all the families. And if you haven't family here, find someone that, that you can do. Um, if you see someone sitting alone, invite him into the, the circle. But can, can we do communion together this morning with this in mind? That God gave us three incredible things through one scripture. That he drank the cup that we should have drank. He broke his body. They broke his body. He let them break it and gave his life. Nobody took it. And then he declared victory and that it is finished. Tetelestai is something that will echo into eternity. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.